Hello and welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Marhofer-Duggar, and today I have a very special episode for you with one of my favorite people that I've followed for a number of years, so it's kind of surreal that she's on the podcast with us today. Her name is Dr. Tanda Cook, and she is a woman wildly passionate about educating and inspiring people to take steps to add health to their lives. In Dr. Tanda Cook's own words, she says, I get so jazzed when my feet hit the floor in the morning because it means another day to play, connect, and teach you and I. We get this one life, this one go around in this one body, so let's treat it well. I will be your biggest cheerleader and guide to living a life on fire. And I will tell you by the end of this call today, you are going to feel exactly that from her. Grab a pen and some paper because I promise you, you will take a lot of notes. In 2017, she fulfilled a longtime dream and opened Maple and Sage Farm, established in 2017 in Tennessee, where she raises nutrient-dense food, both plant and animal. She practices regenerative farming and plans to use her farm as a teaching platform to take health to the next level. Everyone, I hope you enjoy our episode today with Dr. Tanda Cook. We have so much to share with you in this dialogue. We hope that you find joy, peace, and clarity for your spirit, soul, and body. We're so honored that you're here. I truly believe this will be the best part of your day. We have so much to share with you. Let's get started. And it's like, it's not just me. It's like all humans, right? It's like, if we really tapped into our full potential. What could we create? Yeah. And so what, you know, my partner and I have been talking about is what is the legacy that we want to leave in terms of the farm? And, you know, I know we'll talk more about that, but like, you know, how can you leave a world a better place? Not only with how you land in people's lives and in their hearts and then, and then from my perspective, their health and then, and practicing regenerative farming. So we actually like build topsoil because the, a lot of the topsoil in the United States is gone because of just poor farming practices. And, and so we, yeah, I mean, we were literally talking about this last night. We're sitting on the porch and watching the fireflies come out and just how we can leave this earth better. So my patients or my following or, you know, being an influencer is being just that. It's like, how do you influence people to actually live a better life? That's just so awesome what, what humans are capable of when we put it good in our heart. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, and like you just said, as an influencer, how can we bring that good and carry that mm-hmm. with us? And what's our end goal of what right. we do day in and day out? When you said... Oh, is, is Tanda talking about a farm or the soul? Because are they different? Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're saying, you know, it's like that, that totally. soul, it's so freaking powerful. Like what you're saying, I'm like, let's go because it's that process. And as you're talking about regenerative farming and that, and that soil, the soil that exists now and bringing new soil, because I understand mm-hmm. that the result is with our food that we consume mm-hmm. that the soil that it comes from, that's the foundation. So if the soil isn't good, then it automatically affects what's, what's growing. And then of course mm-hmm. we end up consuming that. So I remember years ago, and I know you've been around Arbon for so long hearing that phrase, it's not what we eat. It's what we absorb your background and nutrition and holistic, how you target spirit, soul, and body, that it's not just, you know, one part that as an entire being is you approach life. Will you unwrap that 
and share your background and what you've come from and then what you're doing today with all that goodness in you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I grew up in Vermont, just a, you know, small town farm kid and then went to under, you know, and just, we had a, like a little homestead, right? Like we raised our own chickens and we had a garden and that kind of stuff. And, and thinking that was just totally normal, right? Like all kids grew up like that. And then I went to college and realized that that's not normal. So I went to undergraduate in New York and then, but then around the age of uh, between 15 and 17 developed an eating disorder. And I say to people that I was blessed with it because what that did is it sent me on this really, really deep journey into who I am. And, you know, I'm 42 now. So it, you know, 17 developed this eating disorder in, in high school and then, you know, head off to college thinking that, well, college will fix it if I just change the scenery. <laughs> if I just change the outside, the inside will change. Well, that's really not how it works. Um, so then after I graduated yeah. uh, with a BA in biology and a minor in English, and then I thought, well, my eating disorder didn't go away in school. So maybe if I just travel all over the world, then if I just keep changing my circumstances, then my eating disorder will go away. So I, you know, ended up in Europe, I was in Africa, and, you know, I just kept running for myself. Mm. And I remember waking up in Cape Town, South Africa, my dad's from South Africa, originally, so we have family over there. And I woke up in Cape Town, and I, I had surrounded myself with books on food, not even really consciously doing it. And I was just like, well, this is interesting. Like, here I am diving into the topic that's like killing me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I sat down with my dad's best friend, Tony, and she and I talked about what it would take for me to, you know, get a degree in, in like in nutrition in Cape town mm. and what that would look like. And, you know, and then I was like, well, it's not really going to translate very well to the United States in that, in that time. And so I came back to the States, um, ended up in an orthopedic office, just in, just trying to get into the, into the medical world to see, you know, where that would lead my, my discovery and journey around food. And then in looking at a medical school, there was no, no education on nutrition it was, and that I just found to be very frustrating. And then, you know, becoming a dietitian or a nutritionist, just based on the, the food pyramid, I just very much disagreed with because Americans are sick. We are the most overfed, undernourished country. So we're obviously doing mm. something wrong, right? And yeah. and I use that word consciously. We're just, we were out of alignment with our relationship to food. So it was one of the physician's assistants when I was working at that orthopedics office, put his arm around me one day and said, so, you know, when are you going to go to med school? And I said, well, I, I, I don't think I can. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't feel right in my body. And, and still very active in my eating disorder at this time. And so he said, have you heard about natura naturopathic medicine? And I said, no. So I logically just Googled it and uh, the National College of Natural Medicine pulled up in Portland, Oregon. It's now NUNM, the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon popped up and I read the philosophy and it was based on these tenets of getting to the root cause of disease, using mm. nature as cure, uh, doctor as teacher, doctor means teacher, and then following nature's laws, all of these things. And then realizing there was like 98 hours of nutrition. And I was like, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Like everything like sang from the heavens. Like, yes, this is what Tandas need to do. So yeah, I went home that night and I printed out all of this. There was at that point, there was only, I think four accredited colleges in the United States and like three in Canada. And I applied to all of them, ended up at um, UNM in Oregon. And then it was there that my journey really began with understanding how 
food works. It's not nutrition, it's food, you know, and how in our, even in our, even our quote unquote nutrition classes, we were taught the, the macros and the micros, which is very important. But when do you ever send your patient or your friend to the grocery store to get, you know, 10,000 IUs of vitamin A? You don't, you send them, you send them to the store to get carrots. <laughs> so right. there, there was still this like huge discord between like mm. understanding nutrients and how that translates to food. So then what is the best food? Right. So it, and so then through medical school and really, um, I, I ended up, you know, in my, and I like probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I paid very little attention in school in nutrition class. Cause I was diving head first into the Weston A. Price Foundation. Weston A. Price was a, was a dentist at the turn of the century. And he, he asked the question of like, why, why do Westerners need dental work? Like do all, mm. do all traditional cultures need dental work? And, and so he ended up traveling all over the world. And, and the answer was no, Tr- that tribes that were following their indigenous diet of mostly hunter gatherer. I mean, depending on where he was, but it's like, you know, mostly hunter gatherer, they had perfect teeth. Yes. And then it was the cultures that had been introduced to, I'm just going to Western food, processed food, refined mm-hmm. sugars and, that had very um, detrimental things going on in their mouth. And so anyway, so, so Western A, it's www.westernaprice.org. Uh, and it's the, I would, I was, I dove head first into that, that level of nutrition. It was like, more of how did our ancestors eat fermenting foods, like getting the, like focusing on nutrient density versus it's like quality versus quantity and how we used to ferment our foods. We used to soak our beans. We used to, you know, um, you know, eat sauerkraut every day because of the, because of the benefit, the beneficial bacteria. We now know them as probiotics, right. Or the microbe that feeds that microbiome because from our mouth to our anus or a tube, and lining that tube are trillions of bacteria. There's more more bacteria lining our gut than there are cells in our body. I think it's Mark Hyman that says we're like five percent human and ninety five percent bacteria. And then now mm. we're learning that the bacteria that line our gut do all sorts of things for us. They make neurotransmitters. They play a key role in our immune system. They make vitamins for us. They help us break down and absorb our food because, as you just said, we're not what we eat; we're what we absorb. And so right. I dove down this and, and that, and that, that book, it's a nourishing traditions is the cookbook. And that really, that is where my healing with food began, but then realizing that it wasn't just my relationship with food. It was my relationship with me and my life. And so after medical school, um, we moved to Montana and bought, you know, a little five acre homestead. And I actually ended up starting a clinic there. Um, and realized after 18 months that that was not where my heart was. I, I wanted my hands in the dirt. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be a farmer. I was like, why the heck did I just go to medical school? Like, I really wanted to farm. And then as we've learned, you know, fast forward, you know, a lot of years, over a decade of me being in practice, I've learned that farming and practicing medicine is pretty much the same thing. Healing the earth and healing the human body. It, if you go back to following nature and following nature's laws, she will innately heal. Mother nature will innately heal. She has everything in place to bring back balance. And so do our bodies and our minds. And it, most of what, most, I'm going to say all, and I'll probably be scrutinized for saying this, all <laughs> healing begins in between our ears. Mm. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, what about genetics? And yeah, your genes have something to do with it. 
but a very small piece because of the studies of epigenetics now, which is the study of, you know, the, the human genome project. We thought, you know, we have X amount of proteins in the body. We thought we were going to have X amount of genes coding for those proteins. So say we have 250,000 different proteins that our genes can code for. We thought we were going to have 250,000 genes. Well, no, we learned that we have 25,000 genes coding for 250,000 proteins. I'm making those numbers up, but it's like we learned that depending on the soup that your cells are swimming in called, you know, intracellular fluid, depending on the information that your body is getting via nutrition, sunshine, movement, sleep, breath, elimination, water, and, and, and life purpose, depending on that information, your cells, your proteins, I mean, sorry, your genes will either code for anti-inflammation or inflammation. And most of us are coding for, there's too much inflammation based on everything that I just said. People eating, you know, diets high in processed food. We're not drinking enough water, let alone healthy water. We're not moving our bodies. We're not deep breathing. We're not meditating. We're not living our life on purpose. We're not eliminating. We're not pooping enough. We're hanging on to anger. And then, so our, of course, we, we code for chronic inflammation and I don't care which way you shake it. Chronic inflammation will end up in disease. Yeah. As a result of that is it, it's going to manifest somewhere. And we, would you say that we typically see the result of that manifest as anxiety, fear, Mm -hmm. stress, and then disease? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then it becomes like we, we pacify with things, right? Because, because of the fear and the stress, because especially over the past few years, we've been very stressed out as a culture. Yes. You know, because of the stress. So to pacify the stress, because stress is actually a really we'd die if we didn't have the stress response. It's stress is actually really good for us in, in small doses. And the yes. problem is the, we, we are drinking out of a stress fire hose. So the body just can't keep up with the amount of breakdown that happens when the stress response happens. Mm. And so then we pacify it because it feels awful. Like being, because stress usually, like when somebody feels stressed out, they usually feel it's anxiety or depression, right? It goes to one of those two things or overwhelm anger or it, it will like it'll kind of like pigeon, pigeonhole itself into a uh, um, I'm going to say like a chronic emotion that you get stuck in I'm treating a lot of patients right now for anxiety right so we don't yes. like to feel that anxiety so then we pacify it mostly and I work most, mostly with women they pacify it with food right so if or alcohol or marijuana or gambling or sex or checking out social media I mean oh my gosh that's like one of the just watching television is pacifying. However, we can numb ourselves because that that Mm -hmm. feeling of anxiety is just awful when you sit with it. Yes, absolutely. To acknowledge that it is awful. And, And we can begin through conscious choices to not return to old habits and patterns when we're handed new tools. And that's what you're doing for us today. I just feel like you're giving someone permission today to begin again and to know that we each as human beings need a starting point and we are one decision away from stepping onto a new path. That's amazing. I want to circle back to something that you said earlier about having an eating disorder and that you chose to view that as 
an unexpected blessing in your life because the result of that is you took that pain and found the power that yeah. you were like, okay, if this is here, then, and I'm sure it sounds like it, it became that power for you because of how God worked through that pain in your life mm-hmm. to bring you through the least likeliest source in your life to bring you to healing and restoration and power in your life. And then here you are today working through that story and that testimony. And now the narrative that you're living is made up of all of the powerful choices you chose along the way. And you have never stopped, but you found a starting point for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? You started on this, this hunt in your life to gather information and to find out and like you said, when you, when you picked up these books about something that seemed like it was your arch nemesis in your life, mm-hmm. right? But you, but you wrapped your arm around yourself and said, let's heal mm-hmm. without even, like you said, not even consciously realizing really what was happening, but it kept unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's been, um, you know, over the past few years, you know, really, because you know, bulimia, which is the eating disorder of choice on my end. Um, it was my pacifier, right? Like I, I mean, I remember having anxiety as a kid and I obviously didn't have the terminology around like what it was at the time. But now that I think back on it, I'm like, well, that it makes total sense, right? Mm -hmm. That that was how the anxiety manifested. And, and then to pacify that, you know, choosing an eating disorder and then and then choosing to heal it because eating disorders are very challenging to treat because it's not alcohol or drugs where you can put it down and you, your body doesn't need it, right? Your body doesn't need alcohol or drugs to survive. You need food. So yes. how do you find that balance and how do you find that sort of okay point and then brave enough to dive into, you know, the core and the crux of the anxiety and the, the emotional turmoil that that is coming from? I was explaining to a patient the other day how my really the past three years of my life has been like real big wake up call into into the deepest healing that I've ever experienced. So I, I got divorced and then moved. So we were in Montana and I got divorced in 19, the January of 20, I drove me and my entire farm down to Tennessee, 25 hours South and bought a farm. And here I am by myself on this farm. And I was telling my patient, like, I, I needed to know if I could be alone. Mm. I needed to know if I could be alone and not lo- not because of fear of being lonely, because of such deep old pattern means of mine to not be safe, not feel safe with myself. Mm. Right. Like, was this going to trigger a binge? Was this going to trigger, you know, another pacifier of shopping, having to book a trip to get out, to go get out, to be, to constantly stimulate myself. Sure. So what was I going to be okay with me? So I had all of these nights on my farm with all of my animals. And I remember sitting on, you know, at that point, I, you know, was still like half moved in and, and I had this you know, folding Costco plastic table on my porch and I'm sitting at dinner with myself and I had my journal out <clears throat> just in case, you know, I get hit by something from God or the farm or an animal or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I just had this feeling come over me of like, I'm actually not that bad to hang out with. <laughs> like, mm. It was the coolest feeling 
of like actually being okay with being by myself Mm. and then actually enjoying my own company for the first time in 40 years. Wow. And that's when I realized that how diseased our culture is, how, how sick our nervous systems are, that we, it's so challenging for most of my patients to actually sit with themselves for periods of time. And so then, then the, the question is, what do you do about it? How do you help that? And I do a lot of coaching around the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is our, you know, parasympathetic nervous system. And how I describe the nervous system to my patients is, so you have your brain and your spinal cord. And if you imagine two cords coming off your brain and your spinal cord, one is a red wire and one is a blue wire. And the red wire is our stress response. That's that fight or flight or freeze. Those are the three options when we're stressed out. You, you fight it, you, you run, or you freeze. Yeah. Then there's the blue cord, which is our parasympathetic, our vagus nerve. And that's the healing, digesting, absorbing, repairing, regenerating, detoxing, sleeping response. And so, so most of the time we should be plugged into that blue wire. And unfortunately, most of the time where you're plugged into the red wire, well, then we become basically addicted to our own set, our own stress hormones because we're so accustomed like myself, I was so accustomed to being stressed plugged into that red wire, feeling that under that, like just underlying quiet anxiety that I had spent a lot of years quieting, but it was still there. That, 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 that little itch that you feel unsettledness. And for some people it's big. It's like, it's paralyzing anxiety or depression, right? It can be really big or it can be really quiet. Mine was, you know, at that time in my life years ago, it was very quiet, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, what do you do to, to teach the body that you're going to be safe. Cause that's why we're plugged into that red wire all the time is because at some point in our life, we didn't feel safe. There was, you know, a threat mostly between the ages of zero and 10, not mostly always between the ages of zero and 10, there was a big threat that you perceived. It could be your mom didn't pick you up from soccer practice on time. And so you felt abandoned. Yes. There was a threat there, right. All the right. way to like rape, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, like, the, you know, but it's not that one is worse or better or whatever. It's like, it's what you in, in the zero to 10 age, what did you make that mean? And then you, you unplugged your blue wire as a five-year-old and it got plugged into that red wire. And then the world became a very unsafe place. Mm. And then we just, we start, we continue to live our life unplugging and replugging and unplugging and replugging. But by the time we're 17 years old, we're mostly plugged into the red. And then we unplug and replug and unplug and replug. And then by the time we're 30, we are always in the red. All right. Even when we're sleeping. Yes. Because there's insomnia and hormonal dysregulation at that point. You're stuck on birth control. So your body's not even doing its own job. Then you're stuck on thyroid meds because your thyroid shut down because it's trying to slow you down to actually heal. But you get what I'm saying? Like it just, so then, yeah. So then, and then you're addicted to sugar because that's a pacifier to like ease the anxiety. It just becomes this huge vicious cycle. So how do you, what do you do? Because I really want to give people tools. Yes. What do you do to unplug that red wire and plug it into the blue wire? And I want to acknowledge that the initial unplug is going to feel pretty awful yes. when you actually sit and try. And um, the example here is, is meditation. Meditation tells on people pretty quick. How long can you sit? And this isn't about shutting your brain off. This is the, that's the other like, major mis, misunderstanding around meditation. It's about noticing the monkey mind 
It's not about shutting it off. So if your monkey mind makes you want to twitch out of your skin, you can only do it for about three minutes, then do it for three minutes and then do it for three minutes for a month. At the end of a month, you'll be able to do it for seven minutes without needing to jump out of your skin. But it's very uncomfortable for the body to actually unplug because what if that tiger is right around the corner? What if that abandonment history is right around the corner? What if that abuse history is right around the corner? You would be caught off guard. So it doesn't feel safe to unplug. So that's why people who tell me that they can't quote unquote meditate, I know how jacked up their nervous system is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's what they've known for so long. That's what's totally. familiar. That's where, like well, you said, that word safe is so, is so important because yeah. that this is their normal. So mm-hmm. inviting them to do something different to someone else may seem really small when you, when you talk about sitting for three minutes, sitting for seven minutes. But if you've never dealt with debilitating, paralyzing fear, anxiety, chaos, mm-hmm. confusion, you're not going to understand what it's like to sit in that for three to seven minutes. It feels like an right. eternity. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's yes. terrifying. Absolutely. It like is. what you're, what you're describing. Interesting I, is to circle back again to something that you said mm-hmm. earlier, sitting with yourself and Thank you for sharing that. Just that beautiful. I'm, I'm seeing you, right? I, I know your, yeah. your beautiful face and I'm just picturing yeah. you and your silhouette just sitting there with your pop-up Costco table and, you know, and God and your farm animals. And for the first time, like you said, in 40 years, there yeah. you are with yourself, with your soul, with your soul that you made a choice to sit, to, to sit. You know, many clients will say, well, Juliet, what do you want me to do? You're asking me to journal. And I said, you know, journaling may look like just sitting, laying your pen down, hearing the rhythm of your breathing, feeling your chest go in and out, you know, paying attention to, are you breathing shallow from the top or you go down like into your diaphragm? Can you, can you feel, can you, can you feel it go in and out? Just like our day-to-day life in and out, in and out you know, just that constant rhythm and movement and how it mimics that and being present. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but author Brennan Manning in Abba's Child, one of my favorite books, he says that we, we know that God loves us, but do we believe that God likes us? Mm -hmm. You know, so, Mm -hmm. so powerful, right? To, and we're talking about taking that same approach wrapping our arm around ourselves. Like you said, you know, Tanda, you're pretty freaking cool to hang out with. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a rock star. Like this is, you know, this is good. Yeah. And sitting with ourselves and making that conscious choice to pay attention to what is subconsciously running or ruining our lives yes. and the power in that as you're talking about the wires, and I do want to come back to that Mm -hmm. and plugging, unplugging and plugging, talk a little bit about our receptor sites, because I think so much about cleaning those receptor sites out. There's, there's so much terminology around, you know, reset and detox, and it's always centered around, you know, it's January, let's kick off the new year. And it's, or it's, you know, it's summer bikini body, or it's the fall, you know, don't, don't go into a cave and (laughs) don't hibernate like the bear, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like moving, keep moving. And something that I go back to all of the time is that this isn't an event. It's your life. Don't build all of your decisions around an event. Not that events aren't great, but 
that it's the longevity. You know, when I think of your farming and regenerative farming and soil, that word sustainability comes to me that you Mm -hmm. tend to have built a sustainable, thriving, flourishing life. And you built Mm -hmm. it from regenerating and tilling the soil in your soul that even if Mm -hmm. you began the outside in that you would come to discover that this isn't about this physical being, although that's important because it's our temple, that everything rises and falls on the condition of our soul that came to me, those receptor sites. Can you unwrap that a little bit for us? There's so much thrown at us. I believe, especially as women, it can be a very slippery slope, you know, the comparison and just knowing that 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 steals and and is is such a thief in our society and that just a quick fix and that Mm -hmm. quick fix quickly takes us away from that pathway of creating a sustainable flourishing life. When you were saying the plugging and unplugging that just Mm -hmm. came back, back to my memory. Yes. So this is the kind of thing that does get me a little bit on a soapbox because I'm very opinionated about Go for about it, this, girl. Like, Get into oh it. Oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> I like your because soapboxes. <laughs> I, yeah, thank you. Um, we overcomplicate things. The body, yeah. our, our body is the vessel. We can either support it or break it down. So how do you support it? Because we're doing a really good job about breaking it down. I think everybody yeah. knows that, that yeah. how that, you know, stress, food, whatever, again, sedentary lifestyles. But how do you support it? And that's the one tenant in naturopathic medicine following nature's laws, which is what got me, hooked me. I was like, I want to know what nature's laws are. Like, that sounds so cool. So how do you, you know, quote unquote, clean up your receptor sites? The body innately wants, is designed to, to thrive, to like be in, in this homeostasis. It's not homeostatic. It's like, it's constantly fluctuating based on what you're doing every day and how, what you're thinking um, and how you're being, but it's designed to eliminate what you don't need and hang on to what you do need. It's designed to detox. It's designed to heal. It's designed to thrive. It's designed to be on purpose. It's designed to move. We have pulleys and hinges and levers and things in our bodies. We should use them, right? I'm going to shit on everybody. You know, and this is like, that's why like the 30 day detox, retox, stuff makes me just wild. This is about internal balance. How do you set your body up to win? So you support your body from the the aspect of nutrition. Let's start with food, focusing on whole foods, period. You know, people will come to my house and they're like, where's your pantry? I'm like, I don't have one because I don't have any. And this is not to have a pissing contest with anybody. I literally don't, outside of Arbonne's protein powder, I have no processed food in my house none man you are goals <laughs> it, t- it took me a while All to get there but... hail the queen <laughs> and again it, that's not to put myself on a pedestal or make people feel bad about their pantries it's just saying that like processed food doesn't it just yeah. doesn't work no I if just, i'm gonna I be totally like brutally honest me, this is what's possible though you know yeah Sorry exactly yeah. just like that anybody that like might say well good for her i'm like oh, i mean this is really what you're telling me hey juliet this is what's possible it is this is 100%. this is possible yeah yep so it is 100 possible to not have a pantry so focusing on whole foods eating more of a paleolithic diet, you know, people are like, you know, if you're going to label how you eat, what would you say? And it's paleo. I eat a hunter gatherer. I have a farm. Like I, that's, I grow my own stuff and I raise my own stuff. And what I don't, I outsource to local farmers here. 
I'm not saying this to make people feel bad about themselves or bad about their pantry or bad about their shopping carts. It's just that it, it is possible. And that is what, what our bodies are designed to eat, in, in my opinion, and in my coaching and in what I've, how I've watched people feel. So it's whole foods, like what com- comes from the earth. And then it's how we move our bodies, right? When you're giving your, your body the nutrition and eating, again, nutrient-dense food, focusing on quality, not quantity, and so your body can actually get the information to heal and repair and restore because we are not plants. We don't photosynthesize. We have to consume things from the outside world to build us, or we consume things from the outside world that break us down. Mm-hmm. It's your choice. Yeah. If you reframe that for yourself, mm-hmm. it's not that you can't have it. It's that you choose not to, you make mm-hmm. the choice. You have the power to choose. I go back to like God saying, Hey, I set before you life and death, choose life choose life. Mm-hmm. He's like, heads up human. <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> if you choose life, that will bring you life. And you know, we, we don't many times we do self-sabotage as a result of what's going on in our interior world. What seems uh, quick and tangible in the moment. And mm-hmm. instead of reaching for those things that, that are life-giving and right. including our food. Right. And you yeah. mentioned movement earlier the importance of moving our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's number two on the, on, and this is an inner order of, of importance, just number two on my list of, of following nature's laws. Like I said, we're designed to move cows. I have nine of them are designed to eat. They spend mm-hmm. like the day eating. They have four chambered stomachs. Like God made them to eat. God made us, I think to, you know, obviously live a life on purpose and love, but you know, to move and to think we're really good at that when we, yeah you know, as the body is designed. So, you know, walking is the number one movement associated with longevity and it's free. I mean, outside of buying a pair of walking shoes, go walk, go, just go for a walk. You don't need to like get a million dollar gym membership and personal trainers and yoga classes. You can do all of those things. And I'm a huge fan of all of those things, but literally walking is Mm -hmm. associated. The number one movement associated with longevity. Yes. And then breathing is also free. And it's one of the best ways to detoxify the body. That's one of the, the, the detoxification organs is our lung. And so many of us are really bad breathers because of chronic anxiety and depression, right? That's that being plugged into that red wire, literally uncomfortable to breathe. So breathing, doing meditative breathing, breathing exercises, conscious breathing. I, I recommend 100 conscious deep breaths a day. And then sleeping, also free. Sleeping is the master dial of health because mm-hmm. that is when the body re- repairs, restores, detoxifies, heals, regenerates. Your brain is the only thing that sleeps at night. Your body is working its tail off to heal you because you're actually down for the count. Wow. That's when growth hormone comes out. That's melatonin gets bathed, bathes your brain and growth hormone bathes your body and growth hormone. I mean, if you Google growth hormone, you'll see a bunch of serums come up. I'm like, you know, like product. Yeah. And I'm like intermittent fasting and sleep. Two things are free are better than any product that you can buy that has growth hormone in it. Right. right. And I just, I giggle because the, the body's already equipped. The body has mm. everything that it needs to heal and to anti-age yourself sleeping. I did. And ideally it's seven to eight and a half hours a night in total darkness. And that's the key and no screen time, like two hours of no screen before no on your phone, television. It's so detrimental to the hormonal system, detrimental. 
So getting mm-hmm. the lights out of your room because of how it stimulates the brain. Because if you close your eyes and there's a, you know, your alarm clock or your light from your phone or the light from the TV or the light from the nightlight or the light from the hallway, you close your eyes. Can you still see that? The answer is yes. And so can your brain. And it, it massively disrupts hormones. So sleep in total darkness and then how we eliminate. And elimination for, for bowels is one to three times a day. And then also I talk about emotional elimination because how many of us are still pissed off about something that happened when you were five Yeah. or, and hanging on to it. And we're 45. I tell my patients, you should be a sieve for emotions, not Velcro. Mm, so good. I think it's Brene Brown that said an emotion should last 90 seconds and yeah. then move on. Emotions yeah. are really amazing because they're just really good information. And so when you acknowledge the information that it's giving you, like angry is about boundaries. So if you if somebody experienced anger, a boundary has been broken and a boundary needs to be restored to, to move through that, right? And so it's just, and frustration is like a version of anger. And, and then there's jealousy and envy and guilt and shame and all of this, it's all information. And so when you yeah. acknowledge the message behind the emotion, you'll be able to move through it faster. So that's why I tell my patients to be a sieve and not Velcro. Good. And then our water intake is also key. And, and now, you know, I've been talking to my, my, the naturopath that treats me about, you know, how we coach people on water and the quality of water and getting good water filters and not drinking out of plastic water bottles. And so I was listening to a, a seminar the other day on um, hormone replacement therapy. And this naturopath was talking about estrogen dominance and estrogen and progesterone have like two different personalities. Like estrogen is estrogen is the gas, progesterone is the break. Estrogen is angry. Estrogen is hot. Estrogen is dry. Estrogen is cell prolific. So it helps things grow. Estrogen is stimulates the brain, kind of like bathes our brain to stimulate it. Progesterone is the, the break. It's calm and it's cool and it's a endometrial protector and it heals and slows down. It's slow. Like you can think of those as like the two different personalities of, of estrogen and progesterone. And most of us are estrogen dominant. I run labs on my patients pretty consistently. And most of the time, progesterone, the get the break is in the toilet and estrogen is high. So this, this naturopath was talking about estrogen dominance being an issue. And that's when, you know, you get the hot flashes, you get the breast tenderness and you get the uh, migraines and headaches and hormonal headaches and bloating. And I mean, all of the PMS menopausal symptoms. So she's saying, ask your patients, she was talking to a bunch of naturopaths, if they drink out of Keurig cups, like they drink Keurig coffee, Mm -hmm. because what is Keurig coffee? It comes in those little plastic containers and you stick it and then you blast boiling water through this plastic cup into a coffee mug and you drink it. Mm. And she said, if they say yes, have them stop. And then in Mm. six weeks, redo their labs and their estrogen will be down to normal. That's how, uh, yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) I was like, holy crap. And so now the coaching, it's like how many, and again, like, I don't, I don't want to overwhelm people with all of the things that we're doing wrong. (laughs) I guess it's like, (laughs) We're doing a lot wrong. I really want to focus on all the things that we can do well, right? But yeah. plastic is a problem. Yeah, and people absolutely. drinking out of pl- plastic water bottles, I don't even care if they're B- B8, BPA-free or whatever, PAPA-free. Like, I-, I just don't. I just, just please, if you can change, if you're a female and you're listening to this, stop with plastic. Yeah. Stop with Avoid plastic. Avoid it altogether. Totally. Yeah. Stop with the plastic water bottles. Stop with the 
plastic water containers, stop with the plastic food containers, don't microwave anything in plastic. Like it's again, like sleep disruption with light. Plastic is so because of the they're called xenoestrogens. When something is a xenoestrogen, it's an estrogen that you're getting. It's an estrogen like substance from the outside world. And when we are eating it and drinking it, then it will do everything in your body. It raises those estrogen levels to too high because your body can't self-regulate because they're coming from the outside world, right? They're coming from these plastics. I, everything I just said about, about estrogen, it's hot. It's the yeah. gas. It's angry. It's dry. It's, it's, uncom- it's uncomfortable. And when you have too much of it, yes. you have all of those things. At the very least, like if you take one thing out of this podcast like just get plastic out of your life look at plastic cutting boards in your kitchen plastic it's unfortunately and I had this this conversation with my patients after that seminar we all all of us were kind of giggling about the amount of plastic that they had in their house that I didn't even know yeah because it's just it's not something that we it's on our radar so put it on your radar please if you're a female and a male I mean obviously but so getting back to water so getting you know good quality of water do half your body weight in ounces of water a day that's sort of the rule of thumb and then the last piece of the following nature's law is is play and purpose and that's when we rewind all the way back to the beginning of this podcast when I said health really starts with what's going on in between your ears yes and it is what in your life brings you joy and when I get on the phone with new patients and I can hear an emptiness like it's like an empty water tank and I ask the question of where's their joy and they inevitably burst into tears because they don't know yeah they're wondering why their menopause is terrible. They're wondering why their thyroid is shut down. They're wondering why they have breast cancer. Mm. And I say, well, we got to start with purpose. We have to bring joy back in because if there was joy, you wouldn't need me. And it's not always that easy, right? That's when people sign up for year, three, four year programs with me because that's, they're so out of touch. And it yeah. takes them that long to get back into touch with their heart. And oftentimes when that happens, if they're really honest with themselves, it means that they have to blow something up in their life, whether it's a job, a relationship, a relationship with family, an environment. Something is so out of alignment in their life that the joy is lost. They can't even see it anymore because they're just going through the motion. And yeah, so much that contributes to the toxicity in our our soul, in the condition Mm -hmm. of our soul. And it is about really stepping back and that goes into you inviting others to sit in those moments that are three minutes and seven minutes and beyond because totally the anxiety doesn't just show up. There's mm-hmm. areas of our, of our lives that it's producing that anxiety. I don't know why I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm anxious, but are we unwilling to sit long enough to unwrap the why in yeah. order to to the how we want the, we want the solution, but it goes back to that intrinsic work of Mm -hmm. focusing on our soul and knowing that we can, knowing that we're so capable of coming out of those things that really do debilitate us and paralyze us. And those chronic cycles and patterns that we just can't seem to get out of. What would you say in your own life have been even if they were small steps that you took at the beginning, when you look back to your story to keep unwrapping and healing, can you pinpoint some of those for us? Yeah. I mean, and this is what I tell my patients. I had a team. Mm -hmm. You cannot do it alone. You cannot. I don't like people telling people that they can't, but you can't do it alone because you don't know what you don't know. And you can't see what you can't see. And when you're so stuck in your own patterns, like I was, yeah, 
the spiral of bulimia is awful. I could not get out of it. I needed help. And whether it's bulimia, anxiety, breast cancer, abusive relationships, like I don't care what pattern you're stuck in. Every, every human is stuck in patterns. And if yours are working for you, then, oh my gosh, keep them stuck. <laughs> if they're not working for you, get a team to help you get unstuck. And I could not have done it without my family. I could not have done it without uh, a lot of coaches. The naturopath that, who treats me, because I don't believe in treating myself, he, he's been with me for 15 years. We see each other twice a month for 15 years. Yeah. And if I didn't have the team, then I couldn't constantly be climbing to the next step, to see the next step, because sometimes I couldn't see it. I needed somebody else's perspective to say, Tanda, if you want to continue healing, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then I would do it because I consider myself a relatively reasonably coachable person. And, and that's the other piece, being coachable and not always being right. Because when you're, you're right, somebody else has to be what wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking and responsibility, so, right. For what we want total. our future to look like mm-hmm. is, is essential to our healing. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's like what you do day in and day out and your, your purpose and your assignment in this life, you know, Hen- Henry now another author who's a favorite of mine talks about us as wounded healers mm-hmm. and looking, looking back at my life in the last five years, you know, prior to that, and in my own story as, as a child and going back into that childhood trauma. And then as an adult, it took a village around me to, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to continue to lean in to that, to the, to all of that, that was around me, a, a, uh, restoration coach, a trauma coach and counselor, um, Mm-hmm. A family life counselor, a counselor for me and my children, um, a spiritual mother and father, incredible mentors, mentors from afar, mm-hmm. mentors that were close. People will say, Juliet, how do you do what you do day in and day out? And I'm like, a village. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Just like what you're talking about for years, that what I'm what I'm encouraging and what you're encouraging your patients to do is only because Tanda, it's it's what you and I do right? It's how we personally live our lives is that we're not going to ask someone to, to seek something out or do something that we haven't done or that we're not doing ourselves. So it, it is, it is about saying, I need help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please, please help me and stay with me and go through seasons with, with different, different people that, that are in your story at that time, but we never stop needing one another. That's, that's what's key. Yeah. And uh, yes, and I love your purpose and your story and what you're dedicated to. And that, you know, the the bottom line is we are all, we all are trying to do our best and that there is a team for you out there and there is your village and it's being brave enough to ask for them to surround you and being vulnerable enough to say, I need help or I'm sick. I mean, that the day that I told my family that I had been making myself throw up for years was one of the scariest days of my life but it's also when my beginning my healing began because they wrapped their arms around me and said we can help beautiful and we won't leave we won't leave you yeah Mm, so beautiful tanda well and for the person listening who says well i don't have that you know i don't Mm -hmm. i don't have that family you know i don't have those people that i can lean into and Mm -hmm. What you and I have come to learn is that if you're someone who doesn't have that, there are people are just waiting in the wings to embrace you. 
Like when you say yes to yes, when you say yes to stepping into your healing, I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it as, as a coach, uh, just going to events and speaking and these beautiful ladies, you know, that come up that really want that one-on-one, you know, we get to know each other. They come to events, they get to know other women, they get connected. And all of a sudden they go from, I have no one to, I have a village. And it Mm -hmm. is really saying yes. And that is the first step Mm -hmm. is saying yes. And then stepping into that process and knowing that I want this. And when you want your healing, I just see God show up. God shows up mm-hmm. for us and begins to to provide those people that we need that will support us on our on our pathway to wholeness and our journey to healing. Yeah. This has been so powerful just hearing your story and and knowing that the pathway that you took to recover your breath in the process of all of the pain and then hearing who you are today and how you have exchange that pain over and over in your life to turn it into power and to be able to empower others and really helping them to till the soil of their hearts and their lives to do something different for them to know that they're so capable of tapping into that greatness of what's on the inside of them. It's just, it's amazing. Yellow soul is about letting women know that if it's defined them, it matters. So let's talk about it. And Mm -hmm. these are the topics that are hard that can be uh, very shameful in eating disorder, that the shame that we don't want to talk about it. And I love that you're extending an invitation and your vulnerability to say, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, yeah. let's get this out in the open so that we can, so that we can heal and become whole and make a difference. Yes. And if any of your audience is not sure where to go or where to turn, like, lean on us. That's why you and I are here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Find me, find me on Instagram, my website, Facebook, find me. I will 100% hold your hand and I know you will too. Yes. Please tell our listeners how they can find you and get in touch with you and what you offer. Yeah. So I do one-on-one coaching. I also have group coaching. Um, I have a bunch of online programs and classes and you can find my website is drtandacook.com. Um, my Instagram handle is uh, at drtandacook. Um, and then Facebook, it's just tandacook. You know, very active on social media. I, you know, especially Instagram, um, I do Tuesday tips and every Tuesday I get on and I just, you know, want to, empower my audience for, you know, understanding their body more and how they can add health. And so there's, there's all sorts of ways to get in contact with me. And please just, if you're hesitating and you think you should, then you should like, just again, for both of us, just we are, that's why we're here. Like, like I was saying last night to my partner, I just said, my life purpose truly is to fall in love with life. And help others do the same. Yeah. Because you can. Yes. Because you can. I love that so much. Really, we're here to say this is this is what's possible. And totally who you are today. And then you know, you look down the road 30 days from now, six months from now, a year from now, you'll never regret doing the hard things. You truly will only wish that you had done it sooner. And mm-hmm. it is about taking that that first step and 
if this is it, you know, if this is for the listener, if it's reaching out to, to Dr. Tanda, if it's, if it's reaching out and saying, Hey, I was on today, pray for me, like drop us, drop us a line, reach us on Instagram. So Tanda, thank you so much. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I just really want to acknowledge you, my friend. You just are doing such great things and thank you for this been an honor. Oh, well, thank you. I, that's mutual. You're so precious. And Hey, you know what? I was like, this, this interview has to happen because we've attempted so many times. (laughs) People are like, well, maybe you're not supposed to do it. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm the person that's like, that's the message that the, that makes me fight even harder. If something's that hard, it means it's going to be really freaking good. (laughs) So that means we got to make it happen. I was like, we're doing this. We're doing I'm so excited. Well, thank you for your precious words and so appreciate your time and sharing your wisdom. And you have been such an inspiration. And I have no doubt that people were probably listening to this on on their drive home. It's like, no, pause. I got to get home and get my paper and my pen out. I'm going to take some notes from this, from this woman. They're downloading this podcast. I'm sure that you're just amazing. What a rock star you are. And Thank you so much for sewing into our lives and your insight. I mean, amazing, truly amazing what you had to offer. I know people pay money for this. <laughs> people pay you the big bucks for what you shared with mm-hmm. us today. Um, I appreciate you so very much. And thank you for connecting and being on Yellow Soul today. We've gained so much from you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Until next time, friend. We love you. Mm-hmm. Love you. Thank you so much for tuning into Yellow Soul today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and you feel refreshed, inspired, and empowered to share your story of resilience with others. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. I absolutely adore reading your reviews and seeing how this podcast is empowering your life. So if you haven't yet, it would mean the world to me for you to write one. It reminds me that we are all here for the greater good. And please share with me topics that you would like to hear more about. Also, I would love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find me at Juliet Marhofer Duggar, where I have so much fun posting your reviews to stir up hope in another soul. Thanks again for holding space for this conversation today and sharing it with your girlfriends. Together, we are inspiring others to begin their own yellow soul dialogue. Cheers, friend. I cannot wait to chat again soon.